Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. So do you know something that I have been upset about for years? And if you're hearing me say this for the half a dozenth time, I apologize. But it just drives me to distraction that by most estimates, 40% of the food in the United States that we buy is thrown away. That it expires, uh, restaurants end up throwing away a lot of food. Anywhere you go, the food ends up being thrown away. In some cases, it's really great where supermarkets have tie-ins with local food banks and route their expiring food to food banks where it is not wasted and it does in fact provide food to families but that's only a tiny fraction of what's wasted and I think about how over the years I've talked about specific places that have come up with ways to use the food instead of having it wasted I've given you the example of bagel shops that sell day-old bagels that normally they would throw out, and they sell them 75% off because a bagel, well, generally you want it when it's really fresh, but there are people who'd rather have 75% off, and then they're not wasted. Convenience stores that do a big business in donuts and pastries you know, from about 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. In the afternoon, a lot of them sell off their pastries and donuts at huge discounts to clear them out. I mean, that is the kind of thing we should be thinking about. Restaurants in the United States have always provided portions much, much bigger than other places. And I think when I travel overseas and I'm served a portion I'm like is that it is that all I'm getting for my entree really and then I eat the food on the plate and it turns out I'm sated I'm satisfied it was enough food but it's a mentality in the U.S. more 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 give me more and then we can't eat it and then people say well we'll take the rest of it home as leftovers And there are people that are really conscientious and good about eating their leftovers. But what happens with most of those? They go in the refrigerator, they sit unloved, and then they get thrown out. But the biggest issue is the supermarkets. By the way, for the restaurants, I love it when restaurants will have two price points for an entree, and one is a smaller portion than the other. The restaurant makes a, a larger markup on the smaller portion because they give you just a little discount. I love it when restaurants do that because they reduce the waste, they have a bigger margin, and the customer saves some money, and they don't overeat, right? I mean, these are simple things we can do to reduce this ridiculous waste. And as for supermarkets... I said it's great that the ones that donate to shelters, but there's still a huge amount 
that goes out of date and gets thrown out. Why don't you mark the stuff down? Just have an automatic strategy that when something hits um, the day before or whatever that's going to go out of date, mark it way down and people can get bargains. I mean, why not? These are simple things that we should be doing that can make a difference in what we waste, what we spend money on, and all the rest. Think about for supermarkets, whatever revenue they get by not throwing things out. I'm sure supermarket chains are worried about diverting people from retail to that. But there's only a sliver of people that are as cheap as I am that would go for the items that are at their pull date or past, you know, coming up on their expiration date. And so you're serving two different customers at the same time and eliminating waste. Just my thought. Hey, by the way, if you have a question for me, you know, the way you get a question to us, to me, you go to clark.com slash ask. And if you specifically would like for me to answer your question, there's a box you click after you fill in your information, and that's how you get to be on the show with me. But we also have other ways to answer your questions as well if you go to clark.com slash ask. And if you're not aware, we've been answering questions away from the show what I call off-air advice, we've been doing that since February of 1993. And it's free to talk with a member of Team Clark and get an answer to your question. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Matt. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Matt. So uh, you are a public school teacher. Yes, I am. How I many years? 22 years. 22? 22 years. Yes. Wow. And, you know, that's unusual. The turnover with uh, public school teachers has increased quite a lot. And I don't know if you're aware, a lot of school districts this school year have a lot of unfilled positions where they have not been able to get qualified, certified teachers to fill those positions. Okay, I had heard a little bit about that. So what's going on with you? So... I currently invest in a Roth IRA, and I know from listening to your show, you definitely recommended that. Thankfully, uh, someone in, uh, advising me when I started teaching uh, to put the money into a Roth IRA, basically for the same reasons that you have talked about. My wife uh, was also a teacher at one time. Now she actually does early intervention with children, but we both have uh, separate Roth IRA accounts, and I've heard you talking about the target retirement accounts, and I wanted to get your opinion as to should we just continue to invest in the Roth, should we start to invest in a target retirement account, or is it possible to shift the money from the Roth over to the target retirement account, if that makes more sense? Okay, so let me explain this in a different kind of way. So think of a Roth IRA as kind of like a house. Mm-hmm. And then a target retirement fund is like a room in the house. So okay. all a target retirement fund is, is it's an investing, it's a form of investing that, you, that people usually use inside a 401k or, or IRA or Roth IRA where you don't have to figure out the right mix of investing. 
So you okay. don't you don't get rid of your IRA or move it from your IRA or anything like that. It's a choice inside your Roth IRA. Okay. So um, the Roth you have is it with one of the big discounters that you hear me talk about, or is it? Yes, it is. Okay. It is. Which one are you with? I'm with Vanguard. All right. So with Vanguard. You've been teaching 22 years, so are you mid-40s? Yes, I am. All right. So for you, it would probably be appropriate for you to go in the 2040 target retirement fund. Okay. That would be take you to your mid-60s, and what happens in it, you take all the money in your Roth, and you just put it in the Vanguard target retirement fund 2040, and then over these years from now till 2040, they become steadily more conservative in the mix of investments, and they do all that for you. Okay. And the reason target retirement funds are generally not something people go into as a standalone in an investment account, but do it instead in a Roth or, or IRA or a 401k, either version of 401k, the reason you do that is you don't have any tax for what they buy and sell over the years. Okay. You know, you and you'll never have tax because you're in a Roth. So that Correct. that's why a target retirement fund is so great for you. And so okay. a lot of people will take part of the money they put into a retirement account and they'll put it in a target retirement fund, but the idea of them is that it's all in. You okay. sell whatever positions you have right now, and all the money in it goes into that target retirement fund 2040. Perfect. How old is your wife? Uh, she's a couple years older than me. Close, getting closer to 50. Not there yet, but getting closer. Right. So in her case, she'd probably do better going into maybe a 2035 fund. Okay. Because she's a little older, that would probably be a more appropriate place for her to be. Okay. And even though she's, you said she's staying home now, is that she, right? She works uh, part-time. She does early intervention with uh, children up until age three, but she still has her Roth IRA active that we contribute to both on a, on a monthly basis. That's great. Okay, because I was going to tell you, if she was not working, she could still do what's known as a spousal Roth anyway. Okay. So okay. you have the ability for each of you to contribute up to $6,000 a year. And I hope you continue to enjoy being a school teacher. Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Steve. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Steve. How can I be so, of service to you? So way back in 1982, my dad set up a whole life insurance policy that he's still contributing to. And it's got a cash surrender value of about $10,000. And I'm wondering what, if anything, I should do with that. So what are, you said your dad's still contributing to it. What are the premiums that he's paying? Well, he pays about $14 a month. Okay, so not very much money for it. So normally, if it was a much larger policy, I would talk to you about having a a nonprofit organization do an evaluation of it. There's a group called the Consumer Federation of America where they will, um, they will take the policy, evaluate it, and tell you if you should cash it in, if you should 
uh, continue to contribute, whatever you should do, but there's not enough money in premiums in this that that would normally make sense. Okay. So what I would like you to do is I want you to go to the website that I'm going to give you and write the guy and because it's done by a former state insurance commissioner who does this okay. as like a charitable endeavor and uh, write him and tell him you've got this small policy and you don't know that it's worth it paying for the evaluation. How would you figure out if you should keep it, um, borrow from it, or cash it in? Because many times what you would want to do is, is borrow from it instead of cash it in to eliminate possible tax issues. Okay. But anyway, the website I want you to go to is evaluatelifeinsurance.org. And when you go to evaluatelifeinsurance.org, it'll explain the whole thing to you. And it's a great way for people to know whether they should keep a policy, convert it, do whatever with it. But yours just probably isn't large enough to spend what's typically a fair amount of money to have it evaluated. And that's why you want, I want you to just ask him what you should do. Okay. So in, in follow-up, if with each of my three kids, I've now done the same thing. And with a forthcoming, should we do the same thing? So I'm not a big fan of having uh, child life insurance because as wonderful as they are, they cost us money. They don't make us money. Okay. And the purpose of life insurance is replacement of income. So unless you're a big fan of having young children go work a job, <laughs> <laughs> having life insurance on them is not a priority and not something that I advise or recommend. Richard's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Richard. Hello. Richard, yes, you're sir. getting calls saying that you're a criminal, huh? Yeah, I've received uh, several calls uh, telling me that my uh, social security number has been is associated with criminal activity and they're coming to get me. And what do they say they want from you when they make these calls to you? Well, they want me to call back. Oh, don't. I don't know. I won't. <laughs> yeah, Richard, this is a, a scam, an unfortunate one. There's several uh, wrinkles to this one, a little bit different in how the messages work. They come different ways. They come by email. They come, believe it or not, by text message, and they come by phone call or voicemail. And it is all a con game that you need to just ignore because the criminals are either going to try to get your social security number out of you so that they can then commit fraud as if they're you, or they're going to try to allege that you're going to be arrested because you're a crook and that you need to pay them money to avoid arrest or whatever. So there's no benefit in you responding to any of the calls or engaging in any way with anybody who's making these false phone calls to you. Got it. Thank you. Does that make you feel better? Yeah. I I kind of thought that was what it was, but I just, you know, I knew, I knew that you would know. And the best thing you've done, Richard, is 
if you're getting these calls, other people are getting them as well, and you've helped yeah. warn other people away from trouble. And I'm glad you were curious but didn't call them back, and you asked me instead. And that turned out to be a good step because you stayed out of problems and trouble. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. So what does that mean, empowerment with knowledge? It is my job, my duty, my pleasure to be able to provide you with advice and information that you can put to work in your life each and every day so you have more control over your financial future. That's the goal. But there are times that the advice I give doesn't ring true with you. It may feel like I missed the point or I sent somebody down a bad path. I need you to let me know where you feel I came up short. And that's why we have Clark Stinks. Clark.com slash Clark Stinks is where you can go post where you feel the advice I gave was just not any good. And so people can read what you post. They can comment on it. They can agree, disagree, whatever. And then weekly, producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites with you right here, right now. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Here you go. As a farmer of 50 years, I will comment on indoor farming. There's a place for it, but it will never take the place of conventional farming, nor is it more environmentally friendly. Large corporations like it because it can be controlled environmentally and automated. Think of a large amount of investment, infrastructure, labor, water, etc., versus the tens of millions of acres of corn, soybeans, wheat, and cattle grown with relatively few resources. Yes, it can replace a few thousand acres of vegetables, until the greenies decide cage-free lettuce is healthier and morally better. Go, <laughs> go visit a real farm. It will be worth your time, Mark. Mark, I appreciate your perspective, and I do believe that the advantage of greenhouse growing of produce is that the amount of water used is typically 1% of what's used in traditional growing of fruits and vegetables, and that that is a big advantage in so many places in the United States and in the world where the amount of available clean water is not sufficient for the population. But I don't believe in any way, shape, form, or fashion that these new methods of farming will eliminate traditional farming at all. I should have read Kathy's post first. Clark doesn't stink by any means, but your introduction to this segment is old and moldy. Every time I hear Clark explaining what the section is about and then the music and dialogue, I scream and try to fast forward through the podcast because I can't stand to listen to it again. How long has that been the introduction? I think it's great, but you can surely come up with something else that's creative. Switch it up. Thanks for all you do, Kathy. Kathy, I'm, I'm sorry you don't like the introduction. So is Kathy referring specifically to the music bed? I think the whole shebang. You explaining it, the you know, just the whole thing we do. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we have, I'll, I'll say this to you, Kathy. We have 
new listeners all the time to both our podcasts and our radio shows. And so I have to reintroduce who I am and what I'm about all the time because of the way people tune in to podcasts or radio. And that's why we do a reset every time. You'll notice also that if you're ever in a car and you still listen to traditional radio, you're on a road trip and you'll hear some kind of talk show and you're like, who is this? What's this about? And people forget to reintroduce themselves to the audience. It's very frustrating for somebody listening when they have no idea who it is they're tuned to. Clark, you do not stink one bit, but I would like to make a correction on the advice you gave a caller about last-minute hotel bookings. You said that Hotel Tonight is only for same-day bookings. I believe that used to be the case, but now you can book on Hotel Tonight up to several weeks in advance. I do agree with you on the best deals to be had are on Priceline. I also like Hotwire. I've yet to find a great deal on Hotel Tonight, but I know many people like that option. Thanks for your travel advice, Clark, as well as your advice on other topics. I've learned a lot from you over the years. Susie. Susie, thank you for that. So the design of Hotel Tonight is that the best deals are offered day of travel historically for bookings after 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, That was awfully limiting for them. So now you see inventory further back. But I've found that it still is true that the best deals on there are going to be after 10 o'clock in the morning, same day. Hi, Clark. Thank you for all your wonderful advice. You generally don't stink, but only when you talk about PAs you do. You always call us physician's assistant, but that is incorrect and stirs up quite a controversy among the PA community. The correct term is physician assistant. Just thought you would want to know, Susan. Thank you. So why does that stir up a hornet's nest? Because it's like physician's possessive assistant as opposed oh, to physician assistant. Physician assistant. Okay. So uh, we're going to have so many conversations over many, many years to come about the role of PAs and NPs because in so many states, medical doctors have been using their sway and power in state legislatures to prevent PAs and NPs from setting up their own practices, and it's just mean-spirited to patients. Forget what it means otherwise, because medical doctors are choosing overwhelmingly to not go into any form of primary care. And if we're going to have the ability to treat people before they get too sick and run up bills and maybe their health ends up a lot worse irreversibly... We need to have the ability for PAs and NPs to practice on their own without a doctor's supervision, period. Now the doctors will be with you next week, Krista, talking about why I stink. (laughs) This is about adding another person as an authorized user to a credit card for emergencies or to help establish credit. Clark, I never hear you mention the option of adding a credit limit to the card. Many cards, including the Costco card, allow you to set a spending limit for the authorized user. Therefore, you could give Junior a card with a small spending limit, allowing him to make small purchases and learn responsible card use without putting yourself at risk. And or, he, so he or she has it in case of an emergency. That was from Inger. Inger, thank you. I didn't know about that. 
And this is why we do Clark Stinks, because that's a fantastic thing to be able to give someone the ability to use a card, but with strict limits on it so that they can't, let's say out of lack of maturity or whatever, run up big charges that you're then responsible for. That's really great. Clark, please stay in your lane. Your comment about natural gas prices falling and your insinuation that the rise of alternative energies is the cause for falling prices shows a lack of research and understanding. NG demand has never been higher, but along with this, NG supply has never been higher. The supply side is far outpacing the demand side in the market. Demand is minimally impacted by increased alternative energies. Many greenies may hope for that, but really not so much. Uh, For Georgetown, Texas, as an example of widespread use of alternative energy, it is not working well and certainly is not economically sound. My taxpayer pocketbook counts too, Clark. Come on, Mark. Mark, thank you for that. So when you look at energy supplies overall, you have supply and demand. The demand is met by many different forms of supply. You are right. The amount of natural gas being used in the United States to provide electricity, to provide uh, heat for people, to provide the ability for people to cook with gas. All these things are happening, and the demand for natural gas is rising because the economics support it. But also, at the same time, don't be so negative about solar and wind. They are becoming, and in many parts of the country, are now the cheapest form of energy you can supply to anywhere in the U.S. free of any subsidies. The loser in all this has been coal, and it's pure, raw economics at work. So the way the reality is, ultimately, the marketplace doesn't care where the energy comes from, just as it's the most efficient form in terms of the wallet, and natural gas, wind, and solar are where it's at. Clark, about buying tires, you totally missed the best warehouse, BJ's, not Costco or Sam's. I always do my research around my town, and BJ's has sale prices often on top-of-the-line tires and the only free warranty replacement if any tire goes out. I've had the entire tire replaced for free, not a patch when the tire went flat. My last set of tires were 60,000-mile tires, and I only got 48,000 out of them and BJ's warranty covered a partial amount of the cost of my next set of tires because they did not live up to the mileage warranty. It's definitely the best deal all around. Please share with consumers, Selena. Selena, thank you. And the reason that you don't hear me talk about BJ's Wholesale Club, as much as I love BJ's Wholesale, is that most of the population in the United States does not live near a BJ's Wholesale Club. For people who don't even know what that is, It is from the Northeast originally, big in parts of Florida, but is principally in the Northeast, some in the Mid-Atlantic. And so BJ's is a very um, viable competitor in the areas where it is to Sam's and Costco, but is as a regional player, it's one I don't talk about very often at all. So I thank you for bringing it up. I heard you discuss online teeth straightening and that there are not many complaints. Well, I am losing two teeth because of this service. I have retained a lawyer and he states there have been lots of complaints, even with the BBB. My friend who did the same thing, some of his teeth got straighter, but not perfect. He was still luckier than me and it's not worth the money, Ryan. 
Ryan, I am so sorry about the problems you're having and the fact that you are going to have to have significant dental work done. And this is an area that is it's come up again and again. I've talked about the controversy about it. The last time I had a caller, it was someone who doesn't have a dentist they go to regularly. And I said, before you consider using any of these products, you need to go see a dentist and check out your overall dental health and see if it is even appropriate for you as a candidate to use one of these um, teeth straightening systems that are not administered by an orthodontist. So I'm glad you have shared your story with your fellow listener because it's important that people know that this is not a decision to take lightly. I love Clark, but I wish he would give more info when he mentions ultra-high earners and the ability to have a Roth. What dollar amount is an ultra-high earner, Colleen? A lot, Colleen. I mean, there are very few people that are subject to the limits. So in order to do a Roth IRA the easy way, just putting money in a Roth, you're a single filer. Your income has to be less than 122000 a year. And for a married couple, 193000 a year. So when I say ultra-high income earners, I know there are people who earn over $100,000 a year who don't perceive they're ultra-high income earners. You are. By the way, if you do earn above those limits, there's a complicated strategy you can do called a backdoor Roth that allows you to do one even if you don't income qualify. I'm not going to get into all the details of that right now. I love everything you've shared with me today. Please, if there's something that I've said that you feel misses the mark, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Albert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Albert. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thank you, Albert. You are just absolutely befuddled by the dilemma of money that you're not spending, what you should use it for. You're not alone in that, are you? Oh, absolutely not. Well, let me see if I can help try to sort this out. What's the scoop? Okay, so I've got about, I've got roughly 10% of the value of a home in my area, uh, about 20K put away in, um, in retirement accounts that I have access to. And, um, I, you know, wife and I make about 50, 60 grand a year uh, take home. And uh, so we're able wait, to Wait, wait, save... on 50 to 60 a year take home, you've managed to save $20,000? Yeah, over the course of a few years. But That's yeah. really great. I mean, you should feel proud of that. 
it's been a long road and uh, we've we put our hearts and souls into it. And we're looking to be uh, future homeowners. So trying to figure out whether or not if it's something that be a good idea to utilize that money to get into a home or if that's something I want to wait on. So this is not just about money. When you want that sense of permanence, you want your own home, you're able to take your contributions from your Roth out of it, not your earnings, but your contributions, and not have to worry about anything tax-wise and use that as down payment money for your home. It then means that money's not there for retirement, and you'd have to work towards building that back up. Um, But if you... If you try to do that either or, you might find that you're never able to buy a home, right? Yeah, exactly. So how long do you think, where do you live in the country, by the way? Um, I live in South Central Alaska. Okay. So are you planning to stay in Alaska for uh, seven or more years forward in this home? Absolutely. So this is your forever living in South Central Alaska as best you know. Yep. Then I would say uh, raid the Roth IRA for the down payment for the house. Remember, don't touch any earnings, just what you've contributed, and get in that house. Okay. And then uh, I would like you, because I gave you the green light, to kill off your retirement money, I'd like you to set forward that every month you're going to pay a set amount of money into the Roths to start building them back up. Okay. So I work seasonally up here. My season is generally about six to seven months per year. I would assume that you would want to put in basically double the amount of money while I'm working to make up for the time I'm off during the winter. That's exactly right. But what do you live on during the winter? Uh, I save a bit of cash and my wife works part-time. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly, uh, I mean, that's fantastic discipline. If you figure out you got to allocate more money every check to restore funds to the Roth because there are all those months you're not getting paid, I think that's great. And uh, I hope that, You're able to find a house that really becomes a wonderful home for you for years and years to come. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.